Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying chapter 17a, the first portion of chapter 17 of the prophet Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu. And uh, because this is a long chapter with a lot of different themes, I have to break it down into, I'm not sure, maybe two, maybe three parts, we'll see. But this one is certainly not going to be the entire chapter. I'm going to go until from chapter, verse 1 through verse 13. We just finished chapter 16 with a several uh, verses spoken by the prophet in which he um, expressed his feelings of, of exasperation, his feelings of, of exhaustion, his feelings of, of almost, you know, he doesn't want to give up, but it just, it seemed like there was no hope. So he turned to God in in, uh, in verse 19 at the end of chapter 16 saying, God, God is my strength. God is my might. He did not have any more hope for the people to be saved. He realized that the destruction seemed inevitable. He just turned to God. And then when he turned to God and said, you're the only one in whom I can find strength. You're the only one in whom I can find confidence. You're the only one in whom I can try to find some solace in my heart. Then he looked at him and, and pleaded again on behalf of the people and said, Don't you see one day, you're such a, you're, you, God, are so high and so lofty and so mighty and so great. One day all of the peoples of the world are going to recognize who you are and they're going to recognize the folly of the idol worship. They're going to recognize the folly of their immoral and unjust ways. So there, there should be hope here. And it's in that context that God answers Yirmiyahu that no, here, for the people now, there is no hope because their sins are so deeply ingrained that the only way this will end is with their punishment. And that is how we begin verse 1. Remember, Yirmiyahu, while he, the prophet, while he sometimes is on the verge of giving up and, and feeling this terrible despair, he never, never quite all the way gives up. He always has a comeback, a comeback prayer of some sort. But God responds again with something and says as follows in verse 1, chapter 17, we're about to begin. The sin of Yehuda, the sin of the people of Judah, is written with an iron pen, shamir, with the uh, engraving of shamir. Shamir, is, most of the commentaries understand, is a is a strong, strong metal. In other words, their sin is so engraved and so like in a strong metal. It's so engraved in their in their entire culture and their entire lives into their hearts and their system. Harusha aluachli bam. It is it is engraved on the tablets of their very inner hearts. Their sins are so deeply within the entire culture and the and each and every one of them and on the corners the corners are the uh, when they would build an altar uh, they would on, on the corners were slightly raised that was um, that was the way the altar in the actual temple was but when they built altars to um, the um, to the gods uh, you know to their uh, idols they would do the same their sins are engraved in like engraved with a solid metal in other words it's they're so engraved that there is no, there is no hope, 
I can turn them around. Yes, maybe, like you said, one day the whole world will recognize, fine, that's true, that's well and good. But right now, the people that I'm looking at, they're not going to turn around, they're not going to change. It's, an, it's interesting how in the beginning of, the, of this verse, it says, It is engraved on the heart, on their hearts. In, in third person. And then it flips, and on the horns of your altars. Now many of the translators simply translate their altars, which isn't completely incorrect because sometimes, as we've seen several times, where the words of the, the prophet flips back and forth between you and they, between second and third person. I kind of think over here that God is also to some degree including Yirmiyahu in the people. When he says, in the corners of your altars, God is in a way pointing his finger at Jeremiah, at the prophet himself, as if he is part of the people. Because on the one hand, Yirmiyahu is, is a leader of the people, and he himself is a part of it, even if he himself is not necessarily guilty of their sins, but he still is part of the people. On the other hand, he is separate from them to the degree that he is being faithful to God while the people are not. In verse 2, when children remember the altars of their forefathers, of their of their parents, and they remember their asherot, those are trees of um of worship, trees of idol worship, which were planted next to the nice other trees that were on the on the tops of the mountains, I'll give a hot, I'll give a ot on the hilltops and the mountaintops where idol worship would happen. Here, when 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 children's memories of their their fond memories of the nice things they did with their parents and their grandparents and so on, those memories reflect what the values of the society are. And if the memories of those children are the memories of the idol worship, and the memories of the altars that they would place on the mountaintops to other gods, that's such a stark symbol of just how deeply ingrained the the these immoral practices were within the hearts of the people harori uh, basode this is verse 3 um you mountain dweller you dwells in mountains the the wealth of all of your treasures I am going to give for um, to be plundered by the enemy. Bamotecha, those those high altars, that you that you um those um uh, I I'm going to place as a spoils upon the field. The the vishamatito. Uh, and you will give up, or you will forfeit, or give away, and it will be your fault, from the inheritance which I gave you. In other words, this inheritance of this land that I gave you, and this wealth that I gave you, it will be your fault that you lose it. And I will make you serve your enemies, in a land that you do not know of, because you have caused a fire of fury to burn in my nostrils. Ad olam, a fire that is burning for to God will burn forever for all time. 
Ko Amar Adonai, this is verse 5. So says God, Arur HaGever Adam. Now, before I translate this, I want to point out that God just um, condemned the people because of their idol worship. And I have been making this point numerous times during many of these podcasts and many references in the prophets. The problem that God has with, idol, with idols is that idol worship is worshiping a creation of man, is worshiping the strength of man. It means that man, when the whole concept of worshiping an idol means that something that I do can change things. Something that me as a man can build can have an effect upon the world that's around me. This is the opposite of one who believes in God as the creator of the universe. What Judaism tries to teach is that only God has the strength and power to change things. The way a human being can affect that is only by living the kind of life that God asks us to live, a life of justice, a life of righteousness. This is how we affect a change in things, not by doing actions and rituals which somehow change things, which is the way an idol worshiper looks at things. Therefore, God, it flows perfectly with this verse that we're about to read. So says God, Cursed is he who has faith in mankind. And he thinks that in flesh is his strength. In other words, that in human beings is his strength. And he thus takes his heart away from God. When one believes that the strength is in man, one forgets in his heart what God wants from him. He forgets to live and turns away from living a moral and just and proper life, which is what God wants from him. And he goes and he worships that human being or that thing that was created by human beings or the concept or idea created by human beings. And he goes and worships that. Such a person will end up being like a like a shrub growing in the desert. If anyone ever walked in a dry desert and you see a, a shrub growing in the middle, it's dry. It will never be able to see Kiyavotov when goodness, meaning when water and 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 um, and uh, and sustenance come to it, it's always going to be dry. It's it's always going to be desolate. It's always going to be out there in the middle of nowhere. And it will rest and it will settle dried up and parched in the scorched places in the desert, Eretz Melecha, a land which is salty, a land in which, in which people and animals cannot live, it will be desolate. Such a person that has faith in human beings, that spends his life chasing after human creations and human ideas without keeping God in his mind, will never ever get the sustenance that, that comes from God. And Baruch HaGever, this is verse 7, however, the flip side, Blessed is the man, that has faith in God, that has trust in God. This is very important because we just saw at the end of the last chapter, and I pointed out that Yermio, when he saw that the people with whom he was living, the nation with whom he was living, were, were condemned to destruction because they were never going to turn around. Everything that he knew that was around him, God had just commanded him not to marry, not to have children because the people were going to be destroyed and exiled. What he did then was said, Hashem God, you are my strength. I will reside in with you in order to gain, in order to have some sort of comfort. This is what he's saying now. Blessed is the man who has trust in God, and God is the one in whom he has trust. Such a person will be the opposite of 
the if this of course should remind us of of what we of the verse in Psalms forty, um, uh, verse uh, five, where it says, "Ashrei hagever asher sama adonai Praised is the person who makes God uh, the one in whom he has trust. and he doesn't turn to to arrogant people with sate chazav and lies. This is a uh, Jeremiah is paraphrasing that 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 verse from Psalms. He will be like a tree growing on water. Here he's paraphrasing again Psalms from Psalms 1, verse 3. He will be like a, a tree that is planted on street beside streams of water, which which the opposite of the one in the middle of the desert, it is able to send its roots into the by the stream. And he just the opposite. He will he will not see the arrival of of parching heat. He will always be cool. He will always have what he needs to grow. And his his um, leaves will be verdant. Even in a year of 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 drought, he won't worry because he's next to a stream that's constantly flowing. And it will never stop creating fruit. Now we just we just made a statement that sounds beautiful. It sounds wonderful. One who has faith in God will be like a tree that always has water that will go green and verdant and have fruit. The tree the the bush that has no faith in God that believes in people will be parched, will be starved, but this isn't what we see. And Jeremiah immediately addresses this. God immediately addresses this. That, that this isn't necessarily what we see when we look out in the world. We see people that are poor, that are prospering. We see people that are, uh, we see, I'm sorry, we see people that are evil, that are prospering. We see people that are have faith in God, but they don't seem to be doing so well. And then God says, I know things that you don't know. Akov halev mikol. The most crooked part of the human being is in his heart. Anushu mi yeda'enu. It is something that is anush. Anush is um, it is um, can be translated as as it is just hopelessly ill. It is just sick. Who can know it? In other words, only I, God, know what's going on in people's hearts. Only I know who's truly just, who's truly right, who's truly has, who, who, who's who, who's who's truly good and who's truly bad. Ani Adonai, I, God. Am the choker leiv bochein kliyot. I am the one who can search out the hearts and 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 test and know what's going on in the kidneys. The kidneys. It was assumed in those days that people's thoughts and ideas were were contained in their kidneys. I am the only one who can give to people appropriately according to their ways. In other words, I can be truly just. I can give them the fruits of. His 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 deeds and what he does. So don't think that what you look around and see as just and not just means anything. Only I, God, can see into people and know what's happening, um, and know what's right and know what's just. And and furthermore, the um, God tells us in verse eleven, "Kore dogar veloyalot." What you when you see someone who is wealthy, but he is, is, is an evil person. Kore dogara. Kore is a type of a bird. It's translated uh, by some as a partridge, but it's some kind of a bird who 
which often uh, will steal the eggs of another bird or maybe kick the, another mother bird off of her eggs and sit upon the eggs that someone else laid. Dagar means she chirps, she sits and chirps to her children, but these children are not ones that she gave birth to. So when, so what happens when these children grow up is, is they don't follow in the ways of, she looks like she's raising children, she looks like the lucky bird that has the children, but those children don't follow after her. They grow up into a different species and fly away and abandon her. That similar to that is Ose Osher Velobimishpat is the one who who acquires wealth in an unjust way. If he he looks like he has wealth, but that wealth is going to leave him. Before he dies, halfway during his life, that wealth will leave him. If he acquired his wealth unjustly, he will not keep that wealth. and in the end, he's gonna end up looking like a fool. Why will he end up looking like a fool? Kisei kavod. One, the Radak, one, the first translation in the Radak reads the beginning of verse 12 as, as the continuation of the end of verse 11. He will be a fool, kisei kavod, in front of the holy throne of God because God knows that his wealth was gained in an improper way. Um, I'm going to finish reading this verse 12, which is a short verse. And then explain it in a different way. Kisei kavod marom rishon. The throne of God is the great and early, old, old, old time greatness. And similar is the place of our temple. There's a lot of ways to understand this. And I'm kind of using the Radak who quotes Rabbi Samuel Ibn Tibbon as his source. Uh, but I'm going to modify it a little bit. Um, the way he sees this is that this is continuing from the verse that we just read before, verse 10. I am God who knows what's going on inside people's hearts and knows what's going on inside their souls. I know the truth. I know who's really just, who's really good, and who's really evil and unjust. Um, he looks at this verse and translates as follows. Yes, God is a kisei kavod marom erishon. In the old days of old, God is the great throne of honor that is high and exalted up above everything in mirishon. He was, he's been around since, since the time of, or before creation, at a time that we can't even fathom. Mekomik dashenu, but so is the location, the place of our temple. Yirmiyahu is now finally telling us what the point of the temple really is. Yermio has spent much of the last 16 and a half chapters telling us what was wrong with the way people were worshiping in the temple. He told us a lot about God doesn't want the sacrifices. God's not interested in the incense. He's not interested in the, in the rituals. He's not interested in, in, in the pouring of wine. That's not what he wants. But, but what is the temple? The temple is the representation that God is not only up there in the heavens, He's not only the Kisei Kavod Marome Rishon, He's not only that great and lofty throne that is high up in the heavens and has been since the beginning of time, but we also have a temple here to represent to us and teach us that He is here with us, looking into our hearts and to our souls. When one goes into the temple, this 
is the thought that someone should have, that God is the Bochein Klaios, He's the one who's choker leiv. He's the one who knows what's in my heart. He knows what's in my soul. And he knows if I'm corrupt and if I'm unjust and I'm dishonest, God is the one that knows that. If I am a good person and I am working hard, even if people around me don't think so, even if people around me make fun of me or abuse me or whatever, God is the one that knows what's in my heart. Mikveh Yisrael Adonai says verse 13. God is the hope of Israel. He is the one in whom we put our hope. All of those who abandon you will eventually become embarrassed and shamed. And those who turn away from me, God says, they will be written into the ground, meaning they were written for death, to be buried in the ground. At least that's how the Radak translates. Because they have abandoned the true source of the living life, the waters of life at Adonai, who is God Himself. And this is uh, the point. Finally, Yermiyahu tells us what is the point of the Mekom, the actual place of Mikdashenu. The reason why we build a temple here is to remind us that God is not only in the heavens, but He is also right here with us. And this, and, and, and therefore, God is right here with us, and therefore He is the Mikveh Israel. He's the one in whom the people of Israel place their hope. Thank you for studying 17a. Looking forward to continuing the study of chapter 17 together.